this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. So here we are with our guest, Brad Lominick. Thank you for being here, Brad. Welcome to the show. Great to be on with you guys. This month, we are focused on staying hungry and how leadership is really a journey and how you need to know where you're going at all times. We're very excited to have Brad on our podcast. Our podcast features a great leader who provides key insights into a leadership topic for a particular month. TJ and I were inspired by your book, H3 Leadership by being humble, staying hungry, and always hustle, and the work you do with Catalyst. So much of your work speaks to leading in whatever role you are in. And as educators, this really speaks is because we know that anyone who's in front of a child is really a leader. And so we want them to take away your message. We're impressed with your insight and your key points to leading effectively. TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Brad? Sure thing, Joe. Thanks for that. Our guest this month is Brad Lominick. Brad is from Oklahoma and a passionate follower of Christ. He has had the privilege of leading and directing a movement of young leaders called Catalyst for the last 12 years. This role empowers him to equip, inspire, and release the next generation of young Christian leaders and do this through events, resources, consulting, content, and connecting a community of like-minded catalysts all over the world. He recently moved into a strategic advisor role with Catalyst, along with several other organizations. Brad is a leadership consultant, speaker, founder of Blink, and author of The Catalyst Leader and H3 Leadership, both phenomenal books, and we'll link back to those in the show notes. All of his material is powerful about remaining humble, staying hungry, and always hustling. He writes about leadership, the next generation, creativity, innovation, social media, teamwork, and personal growth. We're so excited to have him on the show. So, okay, Brad, let's talk about this idea of staying hungry and the need to know who you are and where you're going as a leader. You write quite a bit about the critical importance of one's identity and ensuring one's passions are related to his or her strengths. Can you tell us how leaders can stay humble yet intentionally fueled by hunger to lead effectively? We want to hear anything that you might say about leadership, staying hungry, and being more effective. Sure. Well, thanks guys for a great introduction. Man, I'm going to take you with you with me wherever I go. Uh, <laughs> you you do that well. Yeah, I mean the the humble hungry hustle thing for me is such a is such a clear and compelling three-legged stool. And I think what happens a lot with leaders is we start to to get into career or places where we are ambitious, we pursue things and one of those gets out of kilter or one of them gets out of balance. And there's a lot of leaders I know who have tons of humility. You know, they understand it's not about them. They're not the center of the story. They make other people the hero, but they don't do anything. They, they, they never accomplish anything. And then there's the other side, which is the leader who is all about themselves, who it, the story is about them. They are the hero and they, they move things forward. They're crushing it. You know, like they're, they're accomplishing, they're moving up the ladder, but they have no humility. 
and, and nobody can stand them. Nobody wants to be around them. Nobody wants to work with them. So the hunger piece in the middle is really the connecting dot. And that's that posture that says, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to be a student all my life. Even when I'm the expert, I'm still walking around figuratively and literally with a note, notebook in hand, you know, with moleskin and pen out. And everywhere I go, it's a classroom. So these have to be the posture of a leader. And, you know, Pat Lincioni has written a great book called Ideal Team Player. And Pat uses three characteristics. And he says it's humble, hungry, smart. So I love his book. And I think the three-legged stool that he's put together, smart, he says, is relational EQ. And he would describe humble the same way I would. And he would say hungry is more about hustle. But regardless of semantics or words being used, it's this posture that says, there are certain things that I have to put in place in my life as a leader that are going to take me to the finish line. There, there's habits, there's, there's things that I've got to be really consistently thinking about working on that are going to allow me over the course of my career journey as a leader that I'm going to continue to be able to lead at that next level. And, you know, it's harder and harder. The more leadership you get, it doesn't become easier. It actually gets way harder. You know, that the more responsibility you have, a lot of people think, oh, once I'm a leader, once I'm in charge, once I'm the principal, once I'm the superintendent, once I'm the executive director, then I, it's going to be so awesome because everybody's going to be there to serve me. And I'm going to prop my feet up in the corner office and drink a spritzer and bark out commands. That is not true. In fact, it's just the opposite, or it should be. The idea of a great leader one who's humble and hungry and has hustle is that you see your role at the top of the organization as serving everybody within the organization. And you literally have to flip the model, you know, that, that for years, guys, there's been that, this, this, this thought of, I want to be a servant leader, you know, servant leadership that I should be all about servant leadership. My, my perspective on that is where that's leadership period. Like the idea of a great leader is one who is a servant. Um, so this has to be part of our mindset, especially the humility piece, which we can dig into more of self-awareness, of understanding your calling, of going back to like, what are my strengths? Do I know myself really well? Because humility comes from the place that says, I am so dialed in on who I am that I'm now content. I can walk around with a posture that says, I'm okay. And I walk into rooms and I'm satisfied. I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to walk in, you know, with a sandwich board that is screaming, look at me, look at me, look at me. And most of the time that's coming from a place of insecurity. At the end of the day, I would argue that insecurity is the opposite of humility. You know, arrogance is a symptom, but insecurity is so many of us, if we're really honest, we're, we're walking around insecure as leaders which then makes us really, really hard to lead and to follow. Thank you, Brad. That is a powerful response with tremendous amount of information and insight. We too are big fans of Pat Lencioni, enjoy his work. Um, you're right. I, we would love to de delve into this idea of humility a little more. Have you discovered or have you been able to take away some? some ways that these leaders that you know that have been able to find this balance between 
um, ineffective but well-loved or very, very much productive but alienates, you know, the, the faculty or his team or others, mm-hmm. you know, that we find that to be a very difficult balance. Have, have you discovered certain qualities or strategies that they use to get them to be either more humble or be able to really fall within that, those parallel areas? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I think one of the biggest things that leaders should do, regardless of where you are in the journey, whether you're just starting out or you're, you know, you're in charge is, is work on work on yourself, but work on your self-awareness. I mean, self-awareness is such a big part of this whole discussion around, around humility, but also operating in your, in your areas of great strength. And the way to become self-aware is, is to, you're constantly looking for data Literally, I mean, you're you're looking for data for breadcrumbs of the way that you've been wired, and I I just I I believe that God wired each of us in a certain way, with unique skill sets, with strengths, with things we do really well. But here's the reality: most of us, our strengths are also our greatest area of weakness, potentially, or our greatest area of toxicity. You know, so the the ambitious person, the one who is willing to always step out in front and take charge and be the owner and drive it to the finish line. When self-awareness comes and you understand, okay, that is the way I'm wired. Great. Now, the issue you have to wrestle with as a leader is how do I make sure that doesn't get out of control? And how do I make sure that I'm staying in my strengths, but I'm also Uh, I'm also authentic enough, which is also part of humility, the idea of authenticity, that I'm congruent between my private and public life, that I have integrity, but also that, that I'm aware of the things that are my blind spots. And a lot of times what happens to leaders at any level, in any organization, any industry, doesn't matter, is you walk around with reality deprivation syndrome. And everybody on your team, they know the things that are going on with you but you operate like there's nothing wrong and you're perfect and every decision you make is great. And, and you know, you're the answer to every problem and that's just not true. And when we are self-aware and we're authentic, we can operate now with freedom in the role that we're in. And all of a sudden, you know, when people see that you, you are connected to reality as a leader, they will follow you. But most of us, we think I've got to walk in and have, have everything figured out. I've got to walk in and, and fake it till I make it. I've got to put all the things I struggle with or all the issues I have behind the curtain. The reality is, is your team already knows it. They, they're around you. You know, they, they, they see the things. So part of your job is to, is to be congruent. And when you start creating congruency in, a, in an organization and on a team, then not only are you better as a leader and you're more trusted because that's all we're trying to get to. I mean, the, the greatest currency that a leader has is trust. And if there's no trust, which again, many times is fueled because of insecurity, then it's going to be really hard for you to have, you know, the, the ultimate level of leadership. Maxwell talks about it. Jim Collins talks about it. The five levels of leadership, you know, if you're going to be the best leader you can be, you've got to get past be it just being a, a positional leader. And a lot of us, if we're honest, we're only positional leaders, meaning the only reason people follow you is because of the fact that you're in charge. But take that title away and they will not follow you anywhere. The great leaders are the ones who I'll follow you regardless of what title you have. I don't care if you're at the bottom or the top, that that's real influence. 
I'll stop there. Let you guys plug, chime in. No, that's fantastic, Brad. There, there's a lot in there. We're big fans of Maxwell as well. Um, I, I want to go back and we'll jump into our five, one thing series questions here. Cause it, it dovetails perfectly. But you know, when you were saying about that self-assessment, that self-reflection, you know, one way to begin would be our own reality deprivation. My mind connected immediately um, to that. Like, so if I wanted to start as a leader to really look at myself and see where I need to know, what am I ignoring around me um, where I could actually be a little more honest and grow? So I, I love that term reality deprivation. Um, I know that's something our listeners will take away um, and also be able to implement immediately, maybe even as an activity with their team um, to grow. Uh, well, and, and let me say this on that one. A lot of times if you, you'll think, well, I'm aware because I ask my team. Well, most of the time, the first time you ask your team, for example, if you were to say to your team or a member of the team, hey, be really honest and tell me some areas that you don't think I'm aware of that I do without me knowing and it's, it's toxic to the organization. The first time you ask them, they're going to go, oh, you're perfect. There's nothing wrong because you pay their paycheck, right? The second, <laughs> the second time, well, you know, no, I can't really think of anything. Third time, well, I do have a, maybe a thought. Fourth time, here's my list. Now, here's, here's the point on that. You have to ask a lot because people don't necessarily respond to you the first time you ask. It's the same thing of somebody saying, I have an open door policy. Well, that's just because your door's open. It doesn't mean that anybody <laughs> wants to actually come tell you something. So we have to lean into this as leaders. We have to give people permission over and over and over and over and over because they, they're, at first they're saying, really? Like, I don't trust that you actually really, one, you want to hear what I have to say, and two, that you'll actually do anything about it, and three, that I won't get punished for it. But if yeah. people start to learn that is not true, then, man, they'll lean in and really help you as a leader. That's fantastic. I, I love that. I love even that phrase, lean in and help. Right, let's jump to our five one thing series questions. This is where we actually try to give our listeners um, nuggets of information that they can take away and run with. Um, so let's with our first one. Who's one person or group? And you already mentioned Pat Lencioni and actually John Maxwell, but who you follow for either knowledge or inspiration, and where could we find them? Man, I, I'm a I'm a junkie for for lots of. Uh of outlets. I mean, those two guys are two of my favorite authors. Um, I really like Simon Sinek's work and Simon has written, you know, several books, start with why leaders eat last, etc. cetera. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey. I think Dave Ramsey's book entree leadership for me anyway, was one of probably the best books I've ever read on practically running a business and actually starting something, but also then how do you build culture? Um, I'm a big fan of Daniel Pink's work. You know, he's he most recently wrote the book called When. Uh, I'm, I know I'm giving you way more than one, but Chip and Dan Heath, The Power of Moments, that's a more recent book that I think is one of the best out there, especially for, for teachers or educators. And the, the, the premise of that, I'm, a res, I'm responsible for creating memories for my students. And this, this book really has helped me as a conference guy to think about what are the you know, sort of the high points of a experience throughout a conference that, you know, people will walk away. And when you say to them, was that a great event? They go, oh, it's amazing. And then you say, well, what stood out? And they're like, well, let me tell you these things. 
you know, that's really what the book gets into is the power of these singular moments in our life. So those are a few. That's really helpful, Brad, and that's going to be great. We'll link back to as many of those as we possibly can for our um, listeners. The question I have as a follow-up is, you name a lot of authors and a lot of great texts and, and, some, and some wonderful reads for, for our, our listeners to pick up. How do you filter that for yourself? Um, how, how are you selecting the books that you read and how often are you trying to consume uh, literature? Because you named just a lot of authors and a lot of books, but a lot of our, our listeners ask quite often, well, how did you get a hold of that text and how did, you, how did you read it so fast? Yeah. Well, I have a few people that I really, you know, if they recommend something, I'm going to read it. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the starting place. Um, I, I also, uh, I look at leadership books. So in the category that I feel like I'm responsible both for being a, being aware of what is happening as well as I want to try to be an expert. I'm always trying to stay up to date on who's writing stuff in the category that I'm trying to, you know, have a seat at the table in. So the leadership category, management, uh, personal growth, that, that's a space for me that I really want to be edu educated and knowledgeable in. And so I'm always sort of looking, you know, at the at the list that are out there, Google you know Google Google words that pop up around leadership books. I'm lo always looking at Amazon of you know what are the top twenty, top fifty books that people are reading. So I try to stay in touch that way. Uh, and then you know there's there's some great outlets. Obviously, the the four or five magazines like Fortune, Fast Company, Forbes, Inc., Success Magazine, just those as examples. I will watch what they're writing or uh, paying attention to and, you know, let them kind of do the hard work for me to aggregate the things that I'm going to then sort of put in the funnel and then decide what I want to read. That's great stuff. So the trade journals are driving it. Yeah. Lots of Google searches. Um, do you have a, do you have a goal for pages or books a week or day or anything like that? I don't. I used to, and my thoughts have kind of changed over time. Um, I would say it's for me. It's more about consumption than it is page views or page pages read, uh, because podcasts have become such for me a massive part of my learning. I mean, you guys are this. This is an example. You know, I mean, you're you're creating great content that in many ways uh, is way more practical than the average book out there. So. I've flipped a lot of my attention towards podcasts. And the great thing about podcasts, although this is true with audiobooks, is I can, I can consume them while I'm doing other things, you know, whether it's mowing the lawn or, re, or running or on the treadmill or working out in the gym or washing the dishes. It doesn't matter, you know, like put the earbuds in and here we go. So that's become a real outlet of my learning. And, um, you know, I think the trend is, is that a lot of people are listening to podcasts, which is why you're doing this. It's great stuff. The listeners are going to get a lot from that. Great selections. Good advice. Thank you for that. Let's jump over to our second question. What's one thing that people should try to do, on, in your opinion, on a regular basis that might make the difference in their day or life? Ask a really good question. That, that you know, curiosity, uh, the, the idea that you're leaning in to other people around you everywhere you go is a classroom. Uh, just just start out with the with the mindset of I'm gonna be I'm gonna be daily more interested than I am interesting, 
and I'm going to try to pull things out of people that will not only honor them, but it helps me. That, that one is a game changer. Every great leader I know, curiosity always shows up in their top traits and the things that they not only try to do themselves, but they also look for in other leaders. Brad, that's a perfect segue to question three, which is uh, what's one thing you want to know or be able to do that you don't already? Oh, well, for <laughs> me, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've got several. I, I would really like to, uh, I'd really like to learn how to speak Spanish fluently. Uh, personally, I would really like to, to learn how to play the piano better than I know how to play it. I'm okay. I'm more of a guitar player, so that kind of leaks over into the piano world. But um, I also want to become an expert um, in, I'm sort of, sort of becoming an expert in running, but I, I want to be like a really sound person when it comes to fitness. And that's just something for me in my early 40s that I'm way more concerned about. Uh, so, you know, I don't know, I, that, that's probably a, a, a longer path to get to perfection, but those would be three areas for me that I really want to lean into. And the language one is really important to me. I mean, I, I, because of traveling globally, we we're, we're so sort of insulated and isolated here in the U.S. in terms of, we think that everybody speaks English, which most people do around the world, but they also speak like four other languages. So as we get more globalized, I want to I want to make sure I've got a seat at the table. It's very, very cool. Uh, awesome hobbies, speaking Spanish, playing piano, running. Fitness comes up for us a lot too in terms of the leadership interviews that we do and um, hearing from people who uh, put fitness as, as like a top priority in their life uh, in terms of making themselves a better leader and becoming an expert in, in those areas. So yeah. very interesting. And thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. I'm, I'm also like, I'm a real student of, of communication. Uh, I do it a lot, you know, so I speak quite a bit, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm selfish in that way in terms of wanting to get better, but I love really watching the great communicators and there's so much content now online and watch, being able to watch people communicate. I mean, Nancy Duarte, just, she would be one of those, uh, both in terms of an author and also an expert who I've gotten to know as a friend, but also just love her stuff in terms of the, the science and the art of, of persuasion when you communicate. And she's, she's done some great TED Talks, you know, sort of breaking down Martin Luther King's great speech, I Have a Dream, and others throughout history. So that would be one that I'm thinking about and maybe people that don't know about her can check her out. Very cool. We'll link back to that as well. Nancy Duarte, uh, Persuasion, and hopefully we can find a couple videos from her to um, post for our listeners. Thank you. So our fourth question is, what's the one thing that led to or continues to support your growth as a leader that others can replicate? Well, I, I think this is, this is a general principle, but I think it will apply. And I learned it in my 20s, and I'm still, I still live by it. Uh, your who will determine your what, meaning the who you're around. So, you know, I would, I would tell every 20-something, work on your who, meaning work on who you are. Your, your what, which is vocation, job, assignment, project, whatever, that'll take care of itself. But, man, the who is so important in our life. And so this stage of my life, I'm still living out the who. I'm still working on my who of my internal 
but I'm also really concerned about the who I'm around. And I think as you get older, you're, you're even more thinking about that than I am. So the idea of, I want to, I want to work with people I like, but I also want to be around and work with people that make me better. And that's clients, it's team, it's anybody that I'm hanging around. I want them to lift my lid. I want to walk out of the room and go, man, I'm the dumbest guy here. I, every, everywhere I go, I'm, I'm trying to raise my level of the talent and the skill and the, the mindset of the people that I'm, I'm engaging with. And here's what happens, guys. A lot of times as leaders, when we start becoming the expert in the room or the smartest person in the room or the, the, you know, the one of our friends that we wow every time we get around the dinner table, that feels good. But it's, it absolutely will stifle and actually put a glass ceiling on our growth because no longer are you being challenged. No longer do you walk out of the room or the dinner table or the conversation and go, man, I feel like the, you know, most incomplete person in that, in that circle. And I, I just always want to have that challenge in my life. So that would be the one for me that really continues to be both a mandate as well as something that I feel like is really important. And, and I love, I just love walking into rooms and going, what am I doing here? I have no business being around these people. They are thinking at another level because it, it, it spurs me. It actually motivates me. Brad, we couldn't agree more with that. I, you know, it's one reason I hang out with TJ all the time. He, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know what, going back to what you said earlier, Brad, when you want to grow, you mentioned about being humble and having that, that humility as a basis for your life. If you have to surround yourself with people that are almost sycophant to you and just provide you with adulations and so forth, you won't grow and it becomes toxic in a different way. So it's, it's great to hear you say, I, I want to be the person in the room looking around saying, why am I here? But it goes back to that ability. I think that what you described that um, you have to be confident. You got to be humble and confident that I, I can grow and learn and I don't need to know all the answers. It's a powerful statement. Um, but if you can embrace that as a leader, the organization will see tremendous uh, gains. And we've experienced that as well. Yeah, totally agree. And but it, it is a real temptation for, you know, to, to sort of, uh, I would say you, you start to get comfortable in that place where everybody looks at you and says, man, you're awesome. You're, you have such great ideas and that feels good. I mean, to any of us, it's, and it's not a bad thing that it, but we have to continually like put ourselves back in the place where we felt that, you know, that, that uneasiness in our stomach when we were the intern and, or when we were the, you know, the low person on the totem pole or when we were the brand new hire or when we were the, you know, the sophomore on the football team. And that, that's, that's not a place that a lot of us are, are comfortable in, but I want to be uncomfortable. I, I never want to get uh, to a place where I feel like I've arrived and, and we have to fight for that because that doesn't come natural. Absolutely. It's a great point. Let's, let's finish this off, Brad. What's one thing you used to think that you don't anymore? <laughs> well, I, I used to, uh, live and die by the Oklahoma Sooners football team. (laughs) 
So that was growing up. I went to school there. I'm still a passionate, I mean, I'm a passionate fan. But I would throw stuff and there would be injuries in the family and, you know, broken lamps. And it <laughs> just like, come on, seriously, like this is my life is every, every Saturday in the fall is now going to be based on this team winning or losing. Uh, and that, you know, that one's kind of funny. But I know there's probably lots of sports fans who feel the exact same way about their own team. Uh, you know, I, I used to get really frustrated, guys, by um, by people who I know are simply out there that feel like their whole goal in life, or at least it did to me for many years, was to be a crit critical thorn in my side. And I've never really had a lot of people who were haters and you know I mean I, at Catalyst I had kind of a public I had a public role and a lot of people knew who I was and a lot of people would come to our conferences thousands and thousands of people would sort of show up and the emails that I would get I would I would just spend hours and hours and hours in agony of I want to make this one person believe what I believe or think what I think or see my side of the coin. And you know what, after a few years, I just realized that that is not the best use of my energy. And I was putting all this time and equity of my emotion into the one out of a thousand who griped compared to the 999 who, who I really are customer and they, you know, they loved it. So that's, that's been a big one for me is not that I'm avoiding the noise anymore or not that I'm not hearing it or I'm saying I'm above that or not at all, but I, I just want to, I want to stay focused on the things that really matter. And it's so easy as a leader to start to hear the loudest screams and only respond to those, you know, compared to really like dialing in on, on what is the highest priority. So that, that would be one thing for me that I, I really have changed in the last, 10 years or so. I really like that, Brad, and I'm glad that you brought that out for us today. We always try to say that volume is not always volume. And uh, it's yeah. hard, though, as a leader, because you tend to stick on the thing that um, you need to change or improve upon or the critical feedback that you get. And, and it is tough when you're ignoring those 999. But I like what you said about the energy that that's just not the best use of your energy. And it's far better to play to your strengths and play to the people who are, are listening um, to your message. So thank you for that. Well, no, I know, you know, teachers and educators that, that is not always available to you. I mean, you do have to listen to the many times that the people who make a lot of noise or are the most passionate or emotional. Um, but I, I just want to, the thing that happens to a lot of us, and it, it started to happen to me is I got really cynical. And I, I started to, because of a lot of, because of a small percentage of people who, who, you know, were sort of against me or against what we were doing, I then started to be cynical towards everybody. And I don't want that to be true for me. You know, I want to be, I want to be optimistic. I want to, I want to have, be hopeful. I want to be filled with the energy uh, that I can bring to other people compared to now I'm 20 years into this thing and I'm jaded. And I'm just waiting on somebody to respond so I can fight with them. And, you know, I think that's where our culture is in a lot of ways. And I want to be, I want to be an antidote to that. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to just 
create more noise. I want to actually like hopefully bring some hope to the, to the conversation. Well, we're glad you shared that because it's hard and it does happen to all of us. So it's something that, you know, we need to all work on. So thank you for that. I think we've brought out a bunch of simple strategies here. Um, we always say that that's the key, that leadership might be complex, but it doesn't have to be complicated. You shared so much with us, Brad. We really appreciate it. And especially that last stuff, that really is humble, letting people in, um, being the difference. Is there anything else that you would like to add today for our listeners? Uh, no, man, this has been great. Uh, I think, you know, the, the thing is, wherever you are in your journey, whether you're starting out, you're 22, you just graduated, you're, you got, you know, your hair's on fire, you're, you want to change the world, or you're 52, and you've been in it for 20 years, 25 years, or you're 72, and, you know, we need you. That's the thing, like, the, the way we're going to change things and actually make a difference and be change makers and change agents is we got to lean in every day. So th that, that phrase lean in, man, I love that. It, it, it might even, you know, Sheryl Sandberg made it famous with her book, but I just think as leaders, that's all we have to do. We have to be willing to, to lean in and, and be part of the change, you know, part of the process to make things better. Well, thank you, Brad. There you have it, everyone. Another great podcast. We're asking you to lean in. Don't forget to follow our blog, theschoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, and video blogs, all on the topic of leadership. And we hope you enjoyed our One Thing series on how we can stay hungry, be humble, and also hustle hard to drive performance and so much more with Brad Lominick. Thank you, Brad, for joining us. Loved it, guys.